Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and basis opinion. And don't you forget that. Today is June 6, 2016. This is episode 167. I'm Scott Magnus, and I'm here with the master of lack of insight, Jake English. Jake Insight, I guess, is what I was going for there for a brief moment. Jake Insight, I've, I've been called worse. Yeah. Uh, you can find us over at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, which you can come across all of our episodes and hopefully a blog article or two in the near future. Yeah, we've been busy with, um, yeah, we got no excuses. We let you down. Uh, you can also check us out at baltimoresportsreport.com, where Jake will be posting an article this Wednesday. So check it out on baltimoresportsreport.com uh, to see Jake's whimsical fantasies come true. Uh, you can also check That's us out. a different website. Oh, okay. Do you have to pay for that one monthly? Okay. Uh, you can also check us out on baseballtalkradio.com, third-party platforms such as Google Play Music and iTunes. And please, if you are following us via th- via third-party app, um, please give us a review. It helps to build the audience base and uh, induce other people to listen to this terrible, terrible programming. Uh, check us out on social media at Facebook, Google+, Periscope, Snapchat, Instagram, but most importantly, on Twitter at BirdseyeViewBAL. I have no clue what the rest of those things are. Jake just tells me to write these things down and, and say them in the microphone. It's creamsicle. Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, most important time of the week. Drink of the week, Jake. What are you doing this week? I just bought 15 windows, so I'm officially too poor for the drink of the week. Scotty, what are you drinking this week? You have 15 windows in your house? No, I'm only buying 15. Oh, okay. That so house is nothing but windows. Oh, okay. I am the person that lives in glass houses. I was about to say. Is there a Beatles song with uh, with glass in it? No. Uh, well, get to work on that. Call Paul up and see if he can start writing something. Glass onion. But go ahead. What okay. are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking a Flying Dog Fever Dream, a Mango Habanero IPA. Um, you can follow us on Untapped at MEGN8606 and Jake E4025. That's right. All right. Uh, and with that, we're going to go ahead and, well, unfortunately, it wasn't a great week uh, for Orioles. I guess we're going to have to dive into the medical wing. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. going to listen to your heart beat, fix you up, ready to go. Yeah, there's a lot of people on the uh, on the good old medical wing this week. Um, uh, I, I guess let's start with Darren O'Day, who uh, went in the DL, uh, injured his hamstring while covering first base. Uh, what's with... Really, Peter's getting injured covering first base this year. Yeah, this this was also what scared us with Zach Britton. Only there was only smoke with that one, and there's actual fire here with Darren O'Day. Uh, he could be down quite some time with that hammy. 
that's that's one of those injuries that could be nothing or could be serious, but you got to get it right before you you go ahead and get back on the mound. So clearly we blame the grounds crew on this one, right? Because uh, first base is the grounds crew's tendencies to you know not take care of the baseball enough, or I don't think we're going to come anywhere near blaming the grounds crew. Uh, I think that this just goes to. I think it provides opportunities for uh, some other guys back there in the bullpen. I think if you're going to have an injury, if you're the Baltimore Orioles, that the bullpen is actually one area where you can actually absorb it. When it comes to Darren O'Day, you've got Brock, you've got Givens back there. I think that this club can make do without Darren O'Day, who is absolutely one of the best relievers in baseball. But... If somebody's got to go down, I think we may be able to handle this one. Well, we'll see. I think it's a long time from our already stressed out bullpen. So um, I guess what we the only thing you could say is Darren today hasn't certainly brought his A-plus game this season. So I guess it's time for other people to shine, and we'll go from there. Uh, Caleb Joseph is still getting over um, a his, batted ball injury, his testicular injury. Um, and I know that he's back with the team. He apparently was having uh, a lot of issues just sticking around the house with the wife. Uh, apparently he was going nuts. Oh, man. All right. Also on the uh, medical wing, we've got Giovanni Gallardo, who is doing things. He's throwing the baseball had with a his rehab, arm. Yeah, had a rehab start, coming back and doing another rehab start uh, on Tuesday night. Um, and, and it sounds like as long as he's standing up and breathing – uh, it looks like he's going to get a chance again in this rotation. I don't care even a little bit what the numbers look like for his rehab starts. I do think that rehab starts with when you've got a major league pitcher coming back from injury. Uh, to look at what he does in the minors really doesn't matter. I'm not. I'm not caring about the results. I know he got batted around a little bit in the first couple innings that he pitched for his rehab starts. I don't know if he's going to be any good at the major league level, but when we look at his at his rehab starts, don't look too close to the stat line. Right. And then we got J.J. Hardy, who's been taking some ground ball practice. Um, the Warriors are saying that he might be available by the end of this month. I'm still holding out, you know, post-All-Star break, which is what I said all the time before. If J.J. Hardy gets back by the end of June, uh, miracle of miracles, but I'm still going for All-Star break. What do you think, Jake? Yeah, I don't know what to think. The thing that I'm curious about with Hardy is if he can come back from this injury, um, is it going to affect anything else? You know, because he's been hobbling around um, – and and this is the kind of injury where I wonder, does he start compensating elsewhere in his gait in learning, you know, and running again, um, you know, with a guy that's got a, I would call it delicate back. Yeah. You know, it's just something I want to make sure that, that he's absolutely ready for and no need to rush him up for what is now a first place club. All right. Let's go ahead and dive 140 characters less this week on the Twitter. Jake, you want to take the first one first? Yes. 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 I was very excited about this one. This one came from Luke Jones at Baltimore Luke. He tweets as follows. Random thought. If you're a Yankees fan, why buy a jersey with a player's name on the back? No names is the Yankees thing. Hashtag fashion tweets. Yes. Yes. And we got a lot of good looks at Yankees fans' backs this weekend. All right. The next tweet falls into the category of want to go back to AAA? Na 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 na. This comes from Matt Kremenser. You can follow him at Matt Kremenser. Check out his work as editor and writer at Camden Depot. Man, hard to believe Kim didn't want to accept a triple A assignment. 
Yeah, we got some egg on our face, don't we, Birdland? All right. Uh, next, we have a tweet from Rock Baco, who, of course, tweets at Mass and Rock. Buck now has 1,372 career wins, tying him with Davy Johnson for 29th place on the all-time list. Hashtag Orioles. Buck Walter's a pretty good manager. He's not bad. I'm not, I, I, you know, unless he wins at least one ring, he's not Hall of Fame worthy, but he's a really good manager. You know what makes him really exceptional is when he gets a little sassy. And I alluded to this a little earlier in the episode. Uh, this tweet comes from Mark Viviano. You follow him at Mark WJZ. Buck not shy about standards of what would make Gallardo a welcome addition to return at Orioles rotation. Quote, upright and breathing. End quote. Ouch. Not wrong. Not wrong, but ouch. It's kind of harsh, Buck. Kind of harsh. All right, last we're going to go to a tweet from uh, the good good people at Suspetus Family Barbecue who can be be followed at Suspetus BBQ. Uh, This I'm going to assume is Jake, uh, uh, who who tweets as follows. It is Jake. Me, colon. Mom, what do you think of Ubaldo so far? Mom, colon. He's looked good, but you know it's only the fifth inning. Still time for him to Ubaldo. Man, his mom is so right. That's that's uh, base opinion and and insight. That's yeah. that's spot on, as you all know. That is a world class Orioles fan right there. Abaldo Jimenez abaldoed directly afterward in that. Abaldo gonna abaldo. Well, it was an interesting week. Um, a lot to digest. I think it's important that we go ahead and digest all this base by base. Let's go ahead and run around the bases and get a feel for Orioles baseball this week. All right, Scotty, let's go ahead and start first base. I want to talk about Natty Bo. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about Natty Bo and their plea to get you, Orioles fans, involved in their beef with the Baltimore Orioles. Now, if you've been living under a rock this season, you may have missed the fact that there's been a bit of a kerfuffle between the Orioles and Paps Brewing Company uh, regarding the availability of Natty Bo at the stadium. Fans, I think, are of two minds about Natty Bo, right? On one hand, Natty Bo is a Baltimore tradition and one that's been passed down for generations. It's a beer that you drink with crabs or in college when you really need cheap, light beer. It's a it's a beer that has been historically associated with the Orioles because of their shared ownership group for so long. On the other hand, some fans think of Natty Bo as a formerly local beer that left town in the 1990s and plays up its relationship with Baltimore simply for the sake of its sales. All right, Scotty, here's the hard-hitting question. Which side of the fence are you on? Yes. Yeah, no. Which side of the fence are you on? That's, a, that's an either-or type of deal? No, it, it's both. It's obvious that Natty Bo is basically playing it up on both sides and basically playing up to the historic nostalgia of the blue collar days. And oh, this is the beer that my dad used to drink and it was a Baltimore brew. But at the same time, you're absolutely right, Jake. It's a great beer. If you want a dirt cheap six pack to drink with crabs or even just a burger and really what's wrong with that. What's wrong with kind of having a sense of nostalgia, but also just having a dirt cheap beer to fall back onto. I am also torn. And I think it 
It's interesting because on one hand, yes, nostalgia is great. On the other hand, you know, it's not Natty Bo. Right. It's Paps Brewing Company, right? <laughs> here's here's where they lost me because I was I was with them. I was in their camp earlier this season mm-hmm. saying, "No, we should we should bring Natty Bo back." Here's the thing. The Orioles are upset with some of the imagery that Paps has been using on its Natty Bo cans, and the team thought that they were a little too close to maybe some of their images for comfort. I'm not picking a side here. Right. But the companies couldn't work something out. They're and- particularly annoyed by the catcher image um, that they had on the can this year, which was orange and maybe looked to something like a switch-hitting Jesus, perhaps. I don't know. It looked like a winking guy to me. Yeah. But regardless of which, Natty Bo was expelled from the park based on that that disagreement. In response, Pabst took out a full-page ad in the Baltimore Sun, stating its case without mentioning the issue of the orange baseball imagery, and asked fans to sign a petition to bring Bo to the ballpark. This is, this is where they lost me. Yeah. Because if you know anything about Peter Angelos, public opinion is not going to sway anything. Yeah. I, I tend to agree with you. I don't, don't understand why you go and, to a certain aspect, waste the money on putting out a full page ad for the Baltimore Sun, which I'm sure was dirt cheap because it's the Baltimore Sun. <laughs> but again, you, dirt cheap beer, dirt cheap advertising. You have to think to a certain regard, like there has been money exchanged in the past between the Pabst Brewing Company and the Baltimore Orioles. Like, for example, there's no way that the uh, Natty Bow Bar in Camden Yards would have been there without Pabst giving some money to the Baltimore Orioles in order to make that happen. That just doesn't happen. It seems to be a situation where, again, the Orioles and Paps somehow did not come to some agreement about the monetary funds that were going to be exchanged this offseason, and people are grumpy that they're not willing to take each other's money. But the thing is, nobody's going away here. I mean, Natty Bo is going to be around for a long time, right? And eventually this is going to blow over, and they'll start paying one another again, and everybody will be happy. And I just don't understand why the Orioles and Natty Bo, or, I'm sorry, Pabst, are doubling down on this disagreement. I think they just need to talk quietly in a room, make the numbers work out, and fix this for the fans. Because really, if anybody g- gives a crap about the fans, be it the baseball team or the beer company, what they what they really should do is find the quickest way and the cheapest way for the two of them to put uh, pounders of really cheap beer in fans' hands for a hot day. I understand that, um, but I think it's raising a bigger complaint from the past brewing company, and it's the whole aspect of, you know, the Orioles have come out and said they're supporting supporting local beers, and they've got a Flying Dog, they've got Heavy Seas, and they've got Dogfish Head. They've got three local beers in their establishment, and I understand it to a certain aspect, but also look at what the beer vendors are walking around with in their coolers. I went to two games this past week, and everything that was in the coolers basically was Budweiser-based products. And I know earlier in the season, Flying Dog was in there. And all of a sudden, Flying Dog has now been moved out of it. So this whole talk of, oh, we're selling local beers, you're selling local beers in select locations. For example, on the upper deck, we're fortunate sitting in Section 336 that right behind us, there is a craft beer stand. However, if you're sitting in a different portion of the upper deck – you have to walk all the way over the concourse in order to get that beer. Whereas if you go to any other concourse, Budweiser has it. Now, to be fair, Budweiser is paying a huge premium to be there. I just think that it's disingenuous for the Orioles to say, we're supporting a local brew when it's obvious that 
they're not willing to take Pap's money because they're willing to take Imbev's money instead at this time. And it's as simple as that. Amen. They'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. And if they don't, well, uh, the Orioles will continue to get a lot, a lot of money from a European-based company. All right. Let's head to second. Do you think they had to trade the draft pick in order to get that money from Imbev? Jeez. Let's head to second base before that goes any further downhill. I want to ask you about... Hyunsoo Kim. Okay. I feel like in many eyes, he's gone from the goat to the hero. These are the same people that were clamoring for Kim to get more playing time. Many of them, I'm sure, were booing him as he uh, came down the orange carpet on opening day. We've seen a little bit more of Kim uh, playing both in the field and at bat. And so, Scotty, where do you stand on Hyunsoo Kim? You know, I, I, I think I was actually more in the Hyunsoo Kim camp. But again, once he started not get playing time, I figured maybe Buck saw something that we weren't aware of, just looking at the statistics of the KBO and stuff like that. But it certainly looks like now that he's actually getting playing time and you're actually able to see him go against major league pitching, you're just like, all right, well, what took so long is the question. Like, what what did you miss? Because sitting on the bench to a certain regard didn't season you to a certain to make you a better player. He's had that talent all along. He had he has definitely been working on it since basically riding the pine. But you have to think that Kim could have been able to produce from day one. Even even if he wasn't, even if this was a change in state, I think you're at a point now where you have to give him more playing time, right? And uh, the thing was is that when it came in dribs and drabs, all we kept saying was, well, he's passed every test that he's had. Right. And so Kim will struggle eventually. But right now, Kim is passing every test that he's he's hit with flying colors. And at that point, that garners more playing time. Right. You have to play him a little bit, particularly when Rickard's having a rough go of it, particularly when you're, you know, facing a right handed lineup, particularly if maybe you want to take Mark Trumbo out of the outfield to to get his head on straight so that he can actually uh, get Pedro Alvarez out of the lineup. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I I think that Kim's got to play more frequently. He's definitely shown uh, a certain knack for putting the ball into play. Again, a lot of line drives, a lot of hard ground balls, even something we saw in spring training. There's a lot of hard ground balls that went to batters before. So again, hit with the Babu Dragon. But uh, there was an interesting article on Fangraphs today. It came over from Jeff Sullivan. Um, he looked at some StatCast data regarding Hunsu Kim and looked at his uh, ability to hit some really hard ground balls, um, which generally lead to, to hits. And we normally kind of take ground balls with instant outs. But his velocity and the angle that he's hitting some of these ground balls at is what Jeff Sullivan came out and said was, you know, he's actually putting himself into a good position for um, being able to get these hits. Um, I've actually looked at this before. I was actually going to write up an article about this. I thought the sample size was fairly minuscule from a StatCast data standpoint, which is why I didn't write it. So I'm not sure if you can really make that conclusion based off this limited sample set. But it is interesting when I looked at the data to see how often um, Hunsu Kim hit the ball with 90 plus, 5 plus mile per hour velocity. Which is interesting because, you know, I've seen situations from Masson with like Steve Molesky and the Masson postgame uh, mentioning that when he first came up in the league, he was really not hitting the ball with any authority. I think right before he broke out, Steve Molesky posted something like his hit by the ball velocity was like 78 miles per hour, which is not right. I don't know where he was getting that number from, but it's poor Masson numbers. Don't tell Mike Bordick, everybody, what is poor Masson numbers. But I, I think Hunsu Kim, again, can easily be that 
mediocre one to two war corner outfielder that the Orioles were looking for in 2015. Well, yeah, and I think that this is probably pretty close to how he was advertised when we first found out that the Orioles had signed him, right? Right. A guy that was going to get on base, a guy that had, would have occasional pop every once in a while, a guy who could play an adequate, if not, you know, dependable left field. But beyond that, he wasn't going to be anything special. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing here. He's, uh, he's shown up big recently, but I think, you know, we always talk about on base capabilities, uh, in addition to now putting a better stroke on the ball these days. He's also doing a pretty good job of, of taking his walks and making sure he looks over, uh, over pitches. I don't think he's getting cheated in a ton of at bats. No, I think we need to see more at bats from him. I really raised the question whether or not we need to see him maybe more in the leadoff role right now. Um, you know, he's been batting a little bit at second position, but he seems to have a very good, keen, disciplined eye. I'd really like to see him out of that leadoff spot and just see what he does. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what would happen, but I just kind of want to see what happens uh, and go from there. Oh, let's go to third base really quickly, if you don't mind. I have a question. Sure. And and I, I'm not sure how we're going to feel about this or the listeners, but lately there have been some whispers. Okay. All right. Now, who are we kidding? In Birdland, people don't whisper. But there's been... Jake, s- I'm not interested in you. <laughs> I've s- never been interested in you. That's, that's not the question. Okay. Different question. Have another drink of the week. Now, Josh Finber? There have been some questions uh, about Manny Machado's hustle. Oh, okay. And broader than that, I think that some people are starting to take a more global look at his attitude, and some uh, don't love what they see. Um, there are times when Manny Machado doesn't round, uh, ground out, run out ground balls, there are times when he uh, demonstrably complains about calls or vents his frustration over the outcome of an at-bat. Um, a good example of this would be Sunday, got frustrated after a strikeout, slammed his helmet, slammed his bat down. He's probably just upset at himself, and he was venting. And, you know, unfortunately, he happens to be in front of 30,000 people or, or on TV. These are the things that are really easy to see when the team is losing. Right. I mean, after all, everything is magnified when the loss column grows cobwebs or the the wind column rather grows cobwebs. But my question is, is it legitimate to criticize Manny for having an attitude or are those that are calling him out being too harsh? Um, I, I think to a certain regard, we have to keep an eye on him because we don't want a situation like happen against the athletics with Donaldson and him getting into a hissy fit pushing match. But at the same point, I have to come back to the Dark Ages, Jake. And I remember multiple years we had situations with Marcakis and Brian Roberts basically being the quiet soldiers and continue to trot along, even in the worst-case scenario. And I, I, I think to a certain aspect, Orioles fans are not are never happy if someone's quiet or if someone's too vocal. And it's always this aspect of criticizing just not the right way. Um, so it's something to watch, but... I if that's the biggest concern we have with Manny Machado in this season, let him criticize that. That's yeah. fine. I'm okay with the ten war season for Manny Machado and basically taking himself to an MVP season. And, and you know, I don't think people are hating on Manny, and I'm I'm certainly not. Look, he's a he he seems to be a nice guy, right? I mean, look at him hanging out with Jonathan Scope, and he's certainly a great player. I, I wonder, you know, are we greedy to want the great player, the great guy? And the great role model. You know, not everybody is a hometown kid who redefines a position and has, you know, beautiful blue eyes. That that just doesn't happen. We're talking all about A Rod? Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Clear. 
clearly we are. But with Manny, you know, I wonder if it's an unfair expectation. And again, you know, the dude's in his his, uh, early 20s, and that's a time where I was, you know, maybe not as even keel as I am now. And I I think a lot of fans also need to keep that in mind. Yeah, I think it's something to watch, but I don't think it's anything to get bent over shape about. So, and I think that's one of the situations where, Buck Showalter and Adam Jones can quickly step in and say a few things that they feel like it's getting out of hand. I think if he gets too mad, they just need to send Jonathan Scope out there to give him a hug. Or just the hand slap thingy. Just, just hug it out. All right, you want to go home plate? Let's do it. All right, so Jake, big event coming up this week in Major League Baseball. The MLB draft is this week starting on Thursday night. Oh, 29 teams must be really excited about that. Yeah, the funny thing is we used to focus on this show very heavily on the MLB draft back in 2012 and 2013 and everything. And then, poof, it went away. Basically, in the 2014 season when uh, we basically gave up all our draft picks and it was just like, oh, well, we're no longer interested in the draft going forward. Um, but it, it, it certainly seems like the interest in the draft from our show, from Orioles fans, and even the Orioles blogosphere has curtailed to a certain regard over these past few seasons why do you think that's the case? I have a couple of theories. Okay. First, you talked about our show starting in 2012. Uh, we All we knew was looking to the future. Gotcha. Right? All we knew was, Calvary. Oh, my, oh, my God, what new talent are we going to infuse into this organization? Whoa, 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 wait. Excuse me? Okay, what what new talent are we going to delude ourselves there into thinking is coming? Yeah, there yeah. But instead, what we got was a competitive team in 2012. We didn't know how to handle that. Right. So by the time 2013 rolled around, maybe we were still interested in the, in the draft. At this point... In June, Baltimore fans are watching the team on the field and watching them win right. more often than not. So I think that that naturally draws attention away from the draft. My my second thought is this. Is Baltimore having a unique experience or has MLB failed to sell the product that is the MLB draft? If you look at it, football has always done incredibly well with this. Basketball has done, always done incredibly well with this. And that's because their drafts have a real and meaningful effect on the team the very next year. Baseball is built totally structurally different, but taking its lead from the NFL, which has turned itself into an entertainment giant, MLB is trying to make its its draft more exciting. You know, here we have a draft night. We have uh, guests that read out the first draft pick. They're trying to make it an event i'm not sure that major league baseball is being incredibly successful and i think they did a really good job of flashing the pan getting our attention and failing to hold it that's my opinion though what do you think about that i I think that's always been the case though with the mlb draft i don't think it's anything new although you know you go back and you look at in the years in the past and to a certain regard i think that there was a higher degree of star power at least when you looked at it you know you had situations with mike trout and bryce harpers and steven strasberg's when they were coming out and it was this whole aspect of like, these are once in a generation players that are really going to shape. And I just don't feel like this year we're getting that hype is the best way to describe it. So I know there have been people that said this is one of the weaker draft classes. And I think to a certain regard, not having that hype around the draft with some potential superstars has watered it down for the rest of Major League Baseball. So I don't know. Certainly for me, the draft is a, a watered down situation with the Baltimore Orioles because uh, it certainly feels like they don't care about draft picks. So if they're not going to care about draft picks, why should the common fan care about draft picks? You know, it's it's also been difficult for Orioles fans because they failed to see high 
uh, high-profile draft picks turn into players. Not true with Matt Wieters, not true with Manny Machado, but you know, here we are still waiting for Bundy. Are we still waiting for Gosman? Still waiting for Hunter Harvey? We haven't really seen anybody get drafted that we could get excited about. And I don't know about you, but I'm totally the steal your heart away type of fan. Like, fool me once, shame on you. I'm not going to let myself get hurt again type of thing. And I wonder if some of the, let's call it tepid enthusiasm from Orioles fans is because this draft thing never works out for us anyway, right? I think that's definitely the case. I think it's just that feeling of, it's kind of the reverse of what it was during the dark ages of, let's not look towards the future. Let's look towards the current because the future is going to be abysmal in the years to come. All right. Um, With that, you know, there were some abysmal numbers put up this past week uh, in terms of K percentage, which was uh, our category uh, in fantasy boss this week. Let's figure out who won this week in fantasy boss. All right, so we picked the highly optimistic category last week of uh, who would have the highest K percentage. I picked Chris Davis. Jake, you went contrary, and it went Hunsu Kim. Chris Davis had 34.5. Hunsu Kim had a 12.5% K percentage. I was going for the sheer numbers. I figured that Kim wouldn't have as many at-bats, and so when he did strike out, they would be more meaningful. Okay. It was a poor decision. I've made some poor decisions. This is one of them. All right. All right. So we've tied it up again two to two. Jake, what are you going with this week for a category? All right. Our our starting pitching is in some trouble. Oh, it's been terrible lately. It's It's been really difficult to watch. So my question to you, Scott. Yeah is, per start, which starter is going to go deepest into the games over the next seven days until we talk again here next Monday? Uh, are we just doing, like, if we if we have two, if the starter goes two games, are we just going to do an average of those two games? Yep. All right, I'm going Chris Tillman. I think Chris Tillman has the best stuff. In fact, I was talking to this with my wife, Carrie. She's like, well, who's the best pitcher right now? Is it Gossman? And I said, I think I would still go Chris Tillman over Kevin Gossman. I think he's got better stuff right now. Gossman, I feel like when he doesn't have that slur of working for him, he's just very hittable. Um, to a certain aspect, if Chris Tillman doesn't have his curveball going for him, he's the same way. I just feel like Chris Tillman has got a better feel for it. And I know Chris Tillman's been putting a, a lot of balls into the stands lately, but I think that's regression to the mean. And uh, I think Chris Tillman has the best chance of going deep into games this week. All right, that's a perfectly good answer. I'm going to go with Gosman. I think Gosman's going to get himself on a roll, and uh, the Orioles may not support him. But I think he's going to go pretty deep into games this week. And uh, I think after those two guys, pray for rain. Okay. Did you know who Kevin Gossman's going against this weekend? No. No idea? No. Okay. No. Nah, research. Who's, who's he up against this weekend? Uh, Mr. Batflip himself. Oh, this will be fun. <laughs> that means if he tries to pitch inside, it'll be a hissy fit. This will yeah. be fun. Yeah, exactly. 
Or he just gets tossed out of the game for hitting Batista. <laughs> no, that's that's a ball, though. Oh, that's right. All right. Um, so we're going with innings pitch per start. Um, we'll see who owns it. I'm going Tillman. You're going Gossman. We will see who wins. And with that, let's go ahead and figure out who was good, who was bad, and who was ugly. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started with the good, the bad, and the ugly this week. And my good is going to be Francisco Pena, both for his play in the field as well as for the story. And if you are like me, occasionally I will go to MassInSports.com and check out their videos. Definitely worth checking out the interview with Pena and his dad, Tony Pena, uh, done by uh, Gary Thorne before one of the games this weekend. A lot of fun to watch Pena play right now. Uh, I remember, Scott, we talked about what will we get with this guy. He's played pretty well so far. He's, yeah. he's uh, called good games. He's caught a good games. He, look, he's hit a home run. He scored that uh, big, important run on Sunday. He's been a lot of fun to watch. But also, when you t- listen to him talk about how glad he is to be here at the major league level, how important this is to him, I don't think Pena is going to be the type of guy that's going to have a long and distinguished major league career. He's doing well right now, and I'd like to enjoy it while I can. So for me, this week, for his play and for his story, Francisco Pena is good. All right, I'm taking Mark Trumbo, who uh, hit three dongs this week. Uh, 181, weighted runs created plus. Um, Just felt like he has really some big contribution moments, especially with those two games against the Boston Red Sox when uh, the season looked like it was in dire straits. So uh, Mark Trumbo... Gets my good for the week. All right. As far as the bad, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to say Jonathan Scope, and I feel like I've done this in the past, but Scope has been struggling at the plate. Weighted runs created plus is 33 this past week. In 29 plate appearances, he's just simply not getting it done. And I point out the number of plate appearances because he's one of the regulars, right? He's one of the guys that's getting the chances. Um, luckily, his K percentage isn't that much above the league average, he's at uh, about 24%. But he has got to get it going. Uh, when you look at the Orioles struggling to score runs, it's because you can't depend on the same guys every night. And uh, Scope needs to be that, again, additional secondary guy that can be counted on. Okay. My bet for the week's going to go to the home run ball. But it's the home run ball from the starting pitching. Jake, our starters this week gave up three home runs per nine innings. Uh, in terms of home runs per fly ball percentage, 29.3%. Look, it was a pretty ugly week. Um, that being said, Mookie Betts was absolutely in fuego earlier this week. Um, so it's lucky the starters got out of here uh, still alive. But, you know, the, we talked about earlier in the season, the starters were um, one of the top t- uh, starting rotations that didn't give up many home runs. And you knew pitching in Canyon Yards, there was going to be a regression towards the mean. The Orioles are back at like 1.2 home runs per nine for their starting uh, group. So that makes a lot more sense for what they're supposed to be doing um, as opposed to like the point that they were. So a bad week, but hopefully it averages out over the entire season. So we're fortunate. All right, let's take a look at Ugly. Uh, You thought that Mark Trumbo was good this week. Yes, he was very good this week. He was very, very good this week. Except for one 
one blight on okay. his good. And so I'm going to take that. My ugly this week was Mark Trumbo's day on Sunday. Oh. He did walk. He did walk and score at the end of that game, which, which was That which was important. Was that was, was important. It was an important thing. I, I have to give him credit for that. However, Mark Trumbo struck out three times on nine pitches prior to that at bat. He struck out not, uh, three times on nine pitches, including two consecutive at bats in which he ended an inning by swinging at strike three with the bases loaded. Look, one game, everybody has a bad one, but it was ugly. And for those of us who shall go nameless, who watched it in person and then got poured on, that was truly ugly. I was actually perfectly happy in my car. I was completely dry and everything, but you know, I guess some of us are a little bit slower than others. Enough out of you. All right, so my ugly for this week, it has to go to Dylan Bundy, but with a twist. It's not the fact that Dylan Bundy has been eh, out of the bullpen. To be fair, it's kind of expected. This is pretty much his first go around the major leagues. He's an aspect of Rule 5 pitcher basically this year, so we can't get too over him. Uh, I, I guess my bigger concern right now is um, the way the Orioles are handling him. And, um, well, let's just point it out. Um, the Orioles have um, effectively eliminated his cutter from his arsenal at this point because um, apparently it's leading to discomfort. Um, it's even worse than that, actually. In 2012, when Dylan Buddy first came up, he was pitching with a slider um, about, we'll call it 8 to 15% of the time, um, during the 2012 season. But so far this year, Jake, he's not used his cutter and he's not used his slider at all this year as well because when he does, he feels discomfort in his arms. Yet, the Orioles are going to say, meh, don't worry about that. We're just going to trudge through this season and not let you throw two or pitches. Instead, we're just going to deal with a fastball that is yeah, somewhat mediocre now at 93 miles per hour and a curveball which is eh, fairly non-existent at this point. Jake, if Dylan Bundy can't throw his cutter and he can't throw his slider, he obviously doesn't belong to be up here in the major leagues. There's no reason Dylan Bundy should be pitching here if he has discomfort in his arm when he's throwing his slider and cutter. The Orioles need to figure out what the heck is going on with this. They need to do a diagnosis and say, can Dylan Bundy actually throw his slider and cutter in the future? And if he can't, well, to a certain aspect, you just kind of need to put him on the DL or go do surgery or whatever it may be. And if Bundy is a bust... Bundy's a bust, and you just move on from it. Um, but to put out, roll out something there, which is a partial product that everyone knows, I'm sorry, it makes no sense. And not to mention, I don't know when you make the call of saying, you know what, today seems like a good day to try that slider and cutter again. When do you make the decision? When do you make the movement? Is it just a, you stick your finger in your mouth and hold it up and say, that feels about right, we should try that today. There's no science or history of this. It is just random gut feel, and um, it's just poor poor management by the Baltimore Orioles. So uh, Dylan Bundy gets my ugly for the week, um, a, a, a good hollowed back to, I guess, the MLB draft and the, uh, the the benefits that it can get from it for the Baltimore Orioles. I'm really glad you brought this up. I, I was actually going to talk about it during the medical wing, but I figured that might be where you were going with ugly this week. So... Let's talk a little bit about this whole whole my arm hurts when I throw the slider in the cutter thing. Yeah. First of all, I'm a little surprised that the player is admitting that he's hurt, yeah. that he's hurting when he throws those pitches. And secondly, I would like to echo your point of at which point 
do we um I'm going to try not to use a foul phrase here. At which point do we find out when he can do it or not, right? Yeah. If And again, we're not doctors, and we no. didn't stay at a Holiday Inn last night. And the Orioles do have some doctors who, by the way, have bailed them out of some situations. Let's 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 be honest. Sure. But Those are physicals, though, and not pitching progression. That having been all said, at some point we need to figure out if this is a guy who can pitch at the Major League level or not with his full arsenal. And I don't want him out there with half of his arsenal because he's going to be not good. And more importantly, this is a pitcher that— to a certain regard, is being said, oh, he'll be a potential starter next year. Buck Showalter has even come out and said, I'm looking for him to be a starter next year. If he can't throw a slider or a cutter, there's no way he's a starter. There's yeah. no chance he's a starter. He might even be a serviceable Major League Baseball reliever with just his fastball arsenal and his mediocre breaking ball pitches. I'm sorry. They need to figure out what is happening with Dylan Bundy. And if they're not going to figure it out, well, Dylan Bundy's nothing. I mean, he's not even a number one or number two prospect in your organization. He's at best. He might be even worse than Mike Wright in terms of overall potential if he can't throw a slider and a cutter. I will say that his his hissy fit on the mound does not uh, come anywhere near Mike Wright. So Mike, Mike Wright definitely gets him there. Yeah, that's because he has horcruxes, but that's another matter. But yeah, Dylan Bundy, ugly, ugly, ugly. Not happy. Jake, you want to go ahead and blow the save? Sure, let's do this. So, Scotty, I've noticed something of late, and that is that it's possible I owe a certain Oriole player an apology. I was pretty sure that the best days of Matt Wieters were behind him. But when I look, I see that uh, Matt Wieters is right in the thick of things, and I'm not just talking about the hit off of Chapman to win Sunday's game, though it is an example. Think back to as many Masson interviews as you can remember for the player of the game or somebody involved in the action. And oftentimes it's been Matt Wieters. Matt Wieters has been earning every dollar of his qualifying offer. And whereas I do not think that he is switch hitting Jesus in cleats, I think that Matt Wieters is off to a very productive start here to the 2016 season. We've gone from worrying about Kenny start on back to back days to, Oh, Matt Wieters is up. Maybe it's going to be okay after all. So you know what? Scott, for this one, I was wrong, and I'm enjoying watching Matt Wieters play. I don't know if the Orioles will re-sign him at the end of the year. I don't know what the future of his career looks like. But for right now, on a first-place team, Matt Wieters is contributing, and that's kind of fun. Kind of makes me think that he could uh, grab the Baltimore smokestack and pose for that shirt. Okay. Uh, just to mention, Matt Wieters is number one out of all Orioles hitters with win probability added so far for the uh, t- early 2016 season. I, I know I could feel it in my gut. Yeah, I know. You, you don't need to know numbers. You could just tell it in, in the back of your head. All right. Well, that's not a bad one, Jake. Well done. So, uh, Baltimore Orioles, sole position of first place after Monday's uh, victory against the Kansas City Royals, 4-1. to one. It's pretty crazy, right? It's pretty crazy considering that after the first two games of the Boston Red Sox season, people were already willing to basically give up on the rest of the season. It's so funny because it feels like there's no offense, then it feels like there's no pitching, and yet they're still winning. Imagine that. It's almost like it's a special team. It is an even year. Except the Giants? Yeah. All right. So good night, Jake. Good night, Jake. Baltimore be on a visual if on a do a do. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. 
and let's go O's. I really hope I get drafted by the Orioles in like the 48th round this year. I think it's a chance. It's over. Go home. Go.